SequelCast 2 and Friends is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. For more information, go to greenlitpodcast.com. That's the only move you know, mate. Ah! Oh, fuck. After the credits roll, there's always more to tell. Especially when the video sales are doing really well. From shock treatment to Jason X to Police Academy 6. This is SequelCast. They are unsurpassed at following a franchise until the better end. This is Sequel Cast, and your hosts have asked that I inform you that the show will now begin. Hello and welcome to Sequel Cast, do a podcast looking at movies in a franchise one film at a time. With me is Thrasher. When are we going to get to the fireworks factory? And Alex... Mortal Wombat. This is kind of like a filler episode. A while, a few years ago, quite a few years ago, I suppose, um, when we did the relaunch for Sequel Cast 2, we did uh, Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat Annihilation. And now there's a new one that came out simultaneously in theaters and HBO Max, because that's how people are doing things nowadays, uh, the, the pandemic times, the whatever you want to call it. Period. That's right, yeah. So Mortal Kombat 2021 uh, first time film from director Simon McCoy with the screenplay by Greg Russo and Dave Callahan story by Oren Uziel and Greg Russo. I mean, this is something that has been in development for, uh, over 20 years, believe it or not. When you see the plot in this film, this, you know, came out in nine, uh, the last film, uh, Annihilation, the second one came out in 97 between then and now, you know, um, on, on YouTube, uh, a director kind of saved and choreographer guy saved up his money and did kind of a, um, kind of a CSI kind of more realistic take in Mortal Kombat. They got all these hits. Oh, and yeah, from Mortal that Kombat he... legacy with Jerry Ryan and Michael Jai White. Right. Ooh. You know, pretty, yeah, pretty good cast. And the idea is like reptile has like the skin condition that exists because of this weird like birth defect or whatever. And they, they, they're tossing people through glass tables and, and things. And uh, it, it's pretty moody. I kind of almost wish they would have done that instead. That led to these two kind of YouTube and then became straight to video kind of collection of short films called Mortal Kombat Legacy. The third one is filmed but never released. Um, in the second one, they have Shane Stone, the same actor. Um, was it Corey Hiroyuki Tagawa? Um, if that's not his name, it's, it's something like that. Unfortunately, I need to look that up. Uh, who was Shane Stone in the original Mortal Kombat film? That's neither here nor there. This is the new Mortal Kombat. This is like a reboot. But they have references to the first one and references to the game. Um, what are some initial thoughts, uh, Thrasher? And what's kind of your history with the video game? Are you familiar with it? We played oh, in college, yeah, I mean, actually. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've I've been I've been a, a fan. I, I've been I was an intense fan of Mortal Kombat, kind of from like Mortal Kombat One to Mortal Kombat Three. Because you know, keep in mind when the original Mortal Kombat came out, there was nothing like it. This game where they had taken. They'd taken photos and videos of actors doing all the poses and had put them into this these virtual environments. Uh, and, and I've been sort of a casual fan since then. I did enjoy uh, I did enjoy Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. My initial impression about this movie is from the is is that one. It's three different movies because they couldn't decide mm -hmm. what kind of video game movie to make. But but two. They are so clearly banking on this being a trilogy, they forgot to make a movie. Exactly. Every it's... scene feels like a prologue to something. Yeah. Uh, Alex, I, what do you think? It, it, this is where the Scorsese quote comes most in handy. 
You know, where it's like it, it just kind of it doesn't really feel like a movie. It just kind of feels like a product. Like you said, Thrasher, they did everything except make a movie. They set up all the stuff and they explained all the things you don't need to really explain and introduced all the characters. And also, I have to say, I'm so glad I didn't see this in theaters because it's like the it's like yeah. the there's Chappie meme, you know, where I feel like someone <laughs> behind me would be whispering to their girlfriend every five minutes like, that's Liu Kang. That's Raiden. Um, Which is so weird because they love saying the characters' names in this. I know, yeah. Shang Tsung, get over yes, here. And, and they love saying stuff in the video games, too, of the characters saying their own names. I mean, especially the last few have become increasingly plot-focused. I, I talked about this series to some people on, on Twitter, and one of them said, and I think, um, or no, I said this, and then he agreed with me. What the hell am I talking about? We were talking about Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. That's kind of like the peanut butter and chocolate question, which do you like better? Oh. And and I said, you know, Street Fighter has better gameplay, but Mortal Kombat has better lore, and, and people tended to agree with that. And I think even though the original Mortal Kombat, you know, the, the storyline, and even that, that movie from uh, the mid-90s uh, has a lot of Enter the Dragon knockoff stuff, it still had something, something special in their juice, and they've just developed it to a stupidly huge uh, roster of characters over the year then in the last few games you've had like time travel and dimension hopping and stuff like, almost like a, a 30 issue uh marvel what if comic or something so it and that this starts and, and jumps all over the place and and took so long to make and i'm like this is what you made i don't right. know like it, it's it's okay it's rated r like i think that's cool like the the series should have been that had the series been rated R to begin with, though, I don't think it would have been as profitable had the movie series. Um, oh, totally. Because it was all like kids I'm... playing this like R-rated game that was so violent and ended up in the United States uh, Senate, where they were going to go and maybe have a federal mandated you know, rating system, which nobody wanted. So the video game systems formed the ESRB with ratings like T and M and made it themselves. And the art form was thereby protected, and no stupid business decisions were made because of that ad hoc rating system ever. That just ever. made the Mortal Kombat game less violent, right? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my god, down. the latest ones are so realistic. Or not realistic's not the right word, but you know, I I'm feel to say, kids. The war and everything going on in this movie is like when you're dating someone for like superficial reasons, like for their like just for their looks, and then you try to explain to your friends and family there's depth when there isn't. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, no, look, see, cool, we have stuff in common, she likes food. You know, it's like, uh, this movie, it's like, I want to be casual and just accept that it's just like a, a, like a dumb, you know, like a, you know, like a, you know, I just want to accept it as a casual, you know, entertaining flick, but then it takes itself so seriously, I, it takes me away from it, and it's not that enjoyable. And then it's like, no, because it's Mortal Kombat, and there's all this, you know lore and the outer world and the underworld and the rain and the badoo and like it just admit that it's a stupid mortal Kombat movie and that's why you like it because you played the video game when you were a teenager you know what i mean right um, I mean, and, and, and the the marketing for this they they've been doing this for more movies lately and i think with the the window between streaming you know being simultaneous for this hbo max stuff at least for 30 days and uh, recently paramount Plus, um, which used to be CBS All Access. I think CBS All Access is a better title, but that's neither here nor there. Um, to be Paramount Extreme, and then CBS Central, and then The Phantom. <laughs> the Phantom of the Paramount, yeah. Um, you, 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 the Phantom of the Paramount is there inside my mind. You go and... See, you know, and, and they announced, well, for their theatrical stuff, 45 days after releasing theaters, it's going to Paramount+. Plus. Like, 
it's clear HBO got a lot of success with this stuff. So um, we will see. I think, you know, that's kind of the new future. Where does that leave physical media? We've talked about that before. But what we're talking about here allegedly is the Mortal Kombat movie. On YouTube, they released the first seven minutes, which I think is the most interesting part of the movie, set in a medieval <laughs> Japan. Well, yeah, yeah that, well, that, that was pretty cool. I was actually kind of... At first, I was like, oh, this is going to be dumb. I started, I'm like, oh, this is, like, pretty sick. Okay, we got some cool lore stuff going on. I know this is just setting some other bullshit up. But, hey, I'm having a good time watching it. It's violent. It's well choreographed. It's got some style, you know. And, and, then, and that, really, that, that really speaks to some sort of structural missteps of this movie. Because there yeah. are so many characters in Mortal Kombat that you can just boil down to Supernatural Ninja. I mean, hell, why not make the whole first movie a period piece yes. about one of the yeah. older tournaments? Just load it with all the ninja characters, let them get their funky powers and do their awesome stuff, and then the ones who are still alive at the end can show up in the modern-day movie. Well, and even in the beginning, there's not much dialogue, but you feel more, more of a connection between, um, you know, what becomes Scorpion and his family than you do between this, like, Cole Young jackass who's in most of the film who feels like... Uh, uh, machine gun Tommy in um, Rocky Five or something, who's just yeah, like, he's as hell. Your surrogate, basically, <laughs> you know, he's he's so people have stuff to explain to, you know, and like you know, this is one of the few times I I'll never probably say this. This is one of the few times where it would have been better if it was just like a um, a uh, not a spinoff. Jesus, what do you call it when you give your character its own movie? Um, you call that a spinoff? Yeah, a this would have been better. Yeah, of like a, a Sub-Zero Scorpion prequel, you know what I mean? Of like this old school yeah. beef going back to the centuries before, you know, like that. That was cool. That could have been your movie. This would have been one of the few times where you get like, um, you know, a stand or, or a st it would have been better if it was a standalone feature, I feel like, instead of this monster mash. And who would have thought that Kano would be such a big presence? I, I didn't see that coming. Well, it's so strange because like the, the directing in, in the this prologue with, with Scorpion and Sub-Zero it's so focused and so stylish, and then the rest of the directing is sloppy and flat after this prologue. Yeah, it's like they only I cared about this. Japanese samurai and also my Hong Kong Wuxia stuff. So the first few minutes, I'm like, this is a pretty goddamn cool, really well choreographed, really well lit. Mm -hmm. It's not overly relying on like wire junk. Um, yeah, so I was, I was kind of pumped, and then just kind of tanked after that. I will give a shout out to the composer Benjamin Wallfish. In, in that he he might have overdone it a bit, I'm not sure, but it, he took the famous uh, Mortal Kombat theme from the Immortals that was in the opening credits of the older movies, uh, where the guy shouts, Mortal Kombat, and it's this kind of techno stuff, and he makes kind of orchestral versions of it, or like messes with the speed and stuff, and so if you listen closely to some of the music themes, you hear that throughout, and then in the end credits, he does a fun kind of newer version that kind of takes you through the history of techno. He, he um, does the dubstep version. Yeah, but I, th I think yeah, it's yeah. cool, though. I mean, I think, you know, what else are you going to do? Like, are you going to have an opera do it? You could, but it would yeah. be kind of strange. <laughs> He's got a pretty um, excellent uh, filmography. Blade Runner 2049, it. I don't really yeah, like it. Yeah. Invisible, the score was good, and Invisible Man, I love that. That was a great score, too. But, um, yeah, and then it's like the more this movie speeds up, the slower it feels. It's like, you mm -hmm. know, you, 
the writing's kind of on the wall. It's like, oh, you're Jax and you're Sonya. And, well, and, and I've seen like, people complain, you know, this is a Mortal Kombat movie, and but there's no tournament. And it's like, they're trying to stop a tournament. Like, I don't know if I completely buy that as an excuse as to why this isn't any good. But I, I do think right. the, the older movies had, whether it was self-aware or not, and maybe just because it was the 90s, and it's been, <laughs> there's been time removed, but like a, a heavy sense of camp or at least humor. And right, like I said, it's it, just, it, sorry. Like I said, it, it, it's it's just so self serious. It's like you just admit you're just a dumb fighting movie, and you, you know what I mean. Like you said, just relax. You don't have to like intensely explain everything. You know. Well, you know the other thing, like with the with the original Mortal Kombat, just in the very beginning, they tell you what the premise of the movie is, and then you see that movie executed. This movie, the characters are always ready to stop. And re-explain the premise of the movie to you. Not to How mention many that, times oh, do they stop to say, there's this Mortal Kombat tournament that determines the fate of the realms. This guy's been cheating. We need to stop him. Also, you need your arcana. Also, you can only get your arcana by being born with it or by killing someone who has one. I'm like, I know. Uh, it's like, sure, if you say so. They keep so, yeah. repeating those facts for about every <laughs> so, I mean, seven minutes. One thing I found in my research, and it's, it's, I don't think it really comes as a big surprise, Cole Yun, the kind of main character, the surrogate character, was a demand from the studio. They said, you have to have a character that other people can latch on to, who's like kind of the Han Solo, who's like, oh, isn't this stuff weird, or isn't this bullshit? Yeah. Like, in the first, uh, in the original Mortal Kombat movie, you had Johnny Cage basically as that character, who has yeah, a sense of humor, like which a little goes a long way. But this Cole Young guy, I think the actor is fine, and he used to do actual MMA fighting. Like, he looks good doing the fights and stuff. But it's like he has a family, which it's almost like in a war movie. It's like, okay, does that mean he's going to die? And <laughs> and the Arcana thing is like if you have the, the Mortal Kombat logo, I guess, grafted on, on your body and somehow, that I mean, usually you get it from killing someone else that had it. But he had it at birth, which makes him... The chosen one, so it's like Jesus Christ, another prophecy thing. Yeah, um, I, I'm just um, getting mad thinking about it. No, no, <laughs> oh, you, you know you're in a bad place when the move when the first act of the movie contains the line, "The prophecy foretells." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the thing too, I kept reminding myself is like the Arcana thing, and like Sonya doesn't have it. And the whole time I'm trying to think like where these characters play in and their significance in the games, and I, all I could think of I was like, well, Mortal Kombat two. Sonya and Kano were like chained up in the background of one's background, and that's all I can remember. And there was probably some like title card in between the game when you weren't playing it that explained that. I, I feel like uh, like whenever someone's explaining something in this movie, it's like the little cutscenes you get in like the Sega game. You know what I mean? And like it's like this is for all the people who read those a lot when they were kids. You know what I mean? It's like I I don't know. It's just I mean yeah for for younger viewers that might not know. Uh... You would put, you know, especially in the arcade or even in the home version, you pay a lot of money and spend a lot of time to to beat the computer to get to the end as your when playing as your favorite character, and for your reward you get like three sentences on the screen, and that right. was considered a lot of story for a fighting game compared to Street Fighter that always kind of ended with a kind of a joke most of the time, or one or you two. You will never defeat Shen Long. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And with with all that stuff, it's just. But, but here, it takes a long time to get started. I do kind of like the touch where it's in the middle of summer. Sub-Zero is wanting to assassinate Cole Yun. So they all of a sudden, it's almost like a horror movie, right? You see, like, icicles and stuff form like that. I thought, well, that's kind of unique. Yeah, they're going to have him 
chasing through it. But you mentioned Kano. You know, eventually he goes to Gary, Indiana. Maybe I don't know why to visit the home of Michael Jackson. Like why Gary, Indiana? That's, <laughs> oh, no, that's no, the first no. thing that. Now, remember when Kano was introduced, he's introduced after Sonya Blade and Jax have captured him. So he's just yes. revealed to be chained up inside her compound. Right. But when Cole is driving there, they go, you have to go to Jax says, you have to go to Gary, Indiana to find Sonya, which is a ridiculous line. <laughs> yeah, to find Sonya Blade, and then he gives it. Then he, you know, he gives them an address. We should have looked that address up on Google Maps. See what's really. There. That would have been funny. Yeah, I feel like the Cole Young character said like, "Okay," like fifty times. I mean, that's the thing. He has no agency, although he has a family. There's no. You get some kind of linkage to one of the characters later. That's kind of predictable. But I mean, yeah, Kano. Give him a family than a character. <laughs> you're right. You're right. And and well, they so kind of ditch the family for most of it too. You know, okay, so you know what, you know what, what, what pissed me off. Um, so when Cole Young is introduced, he's introduced. It's like a Rocky thing. He's being paid two hundred bucks to participate in this like mm-hmm. middle this this blood fight that is apparently happening at noon, <laughs> middle of the day. So like it's it's the morning rush. Um, and and. He's been defe- he he's been defeated. He's covered in blood. He's being strangled, quite possibly to death. And and they're like, "Don't tap out! Don't tap out!" And then he taps out. Like that's a terrible thing to do. No, that's what you should do. If he doesn't yeah. tap out, he might come out of that fight severely injured, and it could wreck his fighting career. Of uh, you are supposed to tap out. That's why that's that rule exists. Yeah. And then what's nuts is that doesn't come full circle. There's no fight later where he's on the verge of death and he doesn't tap out and then finds some inner reserve of strength and turns it around. But you know who mm. does get that scene? Sonya Blade. Sonya Blade oh, is yeah. in the same exact lock he was in and has right. the option to surrender, but doesn't and then turns it around. <laughs> but doesn't somebody yell, use your uppercut, which is so stupid. because that yeah. Yeah, and then that comes in handy later on, and it's like, I remember Scorpion, like, everyone had a badass uppercut in Mortal Kombat, right? Was Scorpion, like, did, was that, like, one of his fatalities later on? I don't really think so, right? At all. No, um, someone had a fatality in an earlier game where you uppercut and the guy's head flies off, but in Scorpion had the combo where you use the, the flying spear, get over here, and you pull the guy towards you, and then you uppercut as a two-hit combo, and you could kind of cheese that over and over again. But You could uh, mix it up with a spin kick. I'm kind of embarrassed to reveal how much I know about the <laughs> early oh, World Combat. Yeah. So great. Because um, oh, hey, I remember it was kind of a big deal with everybody, right? Because uppercut would just mess you up. Or spin kick. And, and this and this is another part of the movie where it suffers by comparison to the one from the 90s. Is the one from the 90s, they made a big deal about making Outworld look both fantasiful, but also trying to make it look mm. like a place that was assembled from different realms. They made a big point of having like these jarring changes in architectural style right next to each other. Uh, as near as I can tell, all Outworld is in this movie is a rock quarry with a throne room. Yeah, yeah you, you see them. Some of it looks like the desert. They have some statue that I'm sure is a reference to something in a game. It's just Goro. Is it just Goro? Okay, because yeah. you don't even get you. Don't, you see like its ass or something. Like you can't even tell what it is, except it has a lot of arms. And there's a few multi-armed characters in the saga. But um, yeah, back to Kano. What you're saying at the top of the show, Alex. In the '90s movie, the Kano actor it was also kind of funny, but also like more of a ski. I mean, this guy's a skis too, but this actor. That plays Kano. Let me uh, look up his name. Uh, Josh Lawson. He's an Australian comedian, and um, he 
he even has lines where he's not on screen that get a laugh or like Sonya is like complaining that she doesn't have the uh, the Mortal Kombat signifier so she can't get Arcana. Like Kano just says womp womp in the background <laughs> as she's in the middle of giving a dramatic speech. Like it seems like a lot of his stuff was improv. It livens up the movie whenever he's in there. Kano and, has too much personality for this film and he has so much yeah. more dialogue than everyone else. I, I it really does feel like he was just making it all up as he went along, and unfortunately, he is the best character. <laughs> I know, if, yeah, yeah. If he wasn't in this movie, that'd be a pretty rough go, right? Oh, oh yeah. it would feel so much longer than it already did. And it's, I mean, 110 minutes—it's nearly two-hour-long movie. And it felt like awful. It felt just like, like a, his his constant put downs. You wooshu wankers. Yeah, yeah, it just it was a good flavor. I was like, I didn't know I would like Kano this much. He was always kind of a forgettable character in the video game. Sorry, Kano fans. Uh, this I was man just is like, trying to what? save your life. You should be on your knees. No, you too should be on your knees. Take a turn, sucking my sack. And he's just so <laughs> joyful. <laughs> or I, I love the one part, I think it was even in a trailer, he rips out a character's heart and then says Kano wins after it. Now, the thing is, <laughs> if he was the only character saying the video game lines whenever he did something impressive. Would, that would be cool. But yeah, everyone, everyone does, does that. Yeah, yeah, because he's so much of a blowhard, you'd buy it. Like, I could totally buy him being like, flawless victory, you know. Yeah. You'd be a taste like piss, mate. Also, you're almost out of it. <laughs> <laughs> right, that right. Was awesome, line. And um, I, I do like reptile in, in this movie is like he is in some of the games where he's an actual reptile instead of just a, a green colored uh, ninja. Oh, yeah, that was rep. Wow. Wow. Well, they don't even say it send reptile. They say send the reptile Schleizloth. He has yeah. a fantasy name, which probably is in the game. But it's you know, just cut this. Let's say he's reptile. You don't need to hide that. Everybody right. gets there's a there's a guy named Sub Zero who was born and raised in an era before the concept of Sub Zero temperature had been invented. <laughs> uh, I think we, we're right. okay calling a reptile reptile. Yeah. Well, also too the thing with like um rep the thing with like Sub Zero reptile and Scorpion. I always if you've ever seen like a ninja movie or a samurai flick of any kind, there's always three badasses that are similarly similarly clad three badasses that come in threes with semi-differentiating, you know, uh, characteristics. Like, yeah. one guy has an axe, another guy's got, you know, that that's those guys. You don't need to, like, over-elaborate on that. One's green, one's red, and the other one's fucking blue, and they do different shit. You know? that That's all you need. I, uh, you're yeah. overthinking this here. This was over... I mean, I'm reminded, in a way, of the... Um, I do like this movie, despite its many problems, but Godzilla Final Wars should have just been non-stop Godzilla action. Instead, you have this kind of like anime rips off the matrix uh storyline that takes up most of the movie and when you get the fights of godzilla against the monsters it's great and it's mainly people in suits except for maybe the spider who they wanted to dance around or something but uh, oh yeah and they brought um what the do they call it zilla the american godzilla in, from in the, the credits he it's listed as zilla yes yeah <laughs> some people call him Gino Godzilla in name only, and they they fight they fight him in a <laughs> he's fought fights him in Australia, not America. Yes, that's strange, but yes, <laughs> um, and he gets killed in one punch. But anyhow, back to this Mortal Kombat film. You mentioned a lot of this is like just a 
like basal exposition, like it's all a prologue film or whatever. It's all setting stuff up. A lot of this is like Rocky training sequences, right? Because they run into Luke Kane. They go to the temple and Raiden's there and he makes a kind of shield uh, of electricity to protect them against Shane Soon and his cronies. But of course, uh, Kano can be bought out and everyone finds a way through that. But what it comes down to is a lot of this movie is fight scenes. If it's not in a trailer, it's in like a dingy cave or later what looks like to be a warehouse like it's these very dark and dingy uh, set pieces and at the end when they do the whole where they oh yeah raiden you can teleport us and they just like all get teleported to these different environments to fight we do get some of the crazy game environments from the game but then they're in and out of those fights so fast yeah uh, basically kano is the cipher of this movie right like, he's mm -hmm. the sellout guy who screws everything up. Oh, no. Um, and, yeah, once we get into the fights and the environments and stuff, it's like you said, we're in and out so quick, it's like, eh, sure, you're in the movie. You know, if you say so, that's, that's this is one of those if you say so movies where it's like, because the realm, and Raiden and Shane Song don't like each other because they were freaking in high school together. It's it, like, also, so po point of order, the whole reason the multiverse works this way where you can earn the right to conquer another realm in the, these like the Mortal Kombat tournaments. Um, that's set in place by the Elder Gods, and Raiden, the God of Thunder, is like a go-between between the Elder Gods and the mortal realm, and he's in charge of, you know, organizing the champions on, on Earth. But, okay, but, but, but point of order here. Once Raiden hears a confession from Shang Tsung's own lips saying he is cheating in the tournament and breaking the rules and has been doing it for the past nine tournaments... Why doesn't Raiden just visit the Elder Gods and tell them so that it invalidates those other tournaments and fixes the problem? And, and two, when they go through the tunnel in the Temple of the Order of Light and they have those like slabs of quartz that have like the famous battles of past mortal combats on it, one yeah. of the battles depicted is Sub-Zero slaying Scorpion in Samurai Times, which was not part of the tournament. That was an assassination that was part of the cheating. So they know, and they've known for hundreds of years. Yeah, that's... Oh my, I got a headache just thinking about it. Um, another thing, I think one of the main reasons that you don't these things don't really work is that Mortal Kombat is based around something where two people are doing things to each other that would normally kill a normal person. So when you try to, like, <laughs> articulate that, when it's like, okay, I'm going to throw my razor hat at you because that's what Shang Tsung does, or Kung Lao does. And then, you know what I mean? So it's like you fireball at someone, and they get hit, you know, and then they discover their power. Like, it's a, the stupid, like, find your inner chi, I mean, you know? I mean, that's what do they call it? just set it at a fighting tournament so that way they can die right because that's what fighting tournaments are you know but, we've all seen not them through the dragon there's nothing to be ashamed of fighting tournament movies are a staple of martial arts cinema come on come on oh, it's yeah it's th this movie keeps getting in its own way <laughs> yeah and you know, you have um you know, you're trying to give motivation and the psychological complexity with the Arcana stuff that gives them the special moves. And it's like, that's not really needed. Like, they're fighting against a four-armed monster from a different dimension uh, or, or whatnot. Like, you can throw a fireball. That's not that much of a stretch. Like, who cares? It's a martial arts film. It's we're based on a video yeah. game where everyone has not just one special move, but probably more like 12. 
not to mention four different ways to like rip people's heads off or play with their balls or whatever they do in the maybe a fucking laser beam. That's better than fireballs, mate. Yeah, you got, you got the friendships. You got the one of the games had anim. A few of the games had animalities. Um, you had brutalities. I mean, they they went overhead and uh, overboard in so much of these things. There's the babe ballad where you turn someone you turn your opponent into a baby. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> make a baby noise. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm it's... surprised didn't happen? At no point did anyone lean into frame and go toasted. I know it was, right? in, the, it was in the screenplay. But really? You took it out. Yeah. Oh. Or or a toasty reference of some sort. But oh. you do get in the kind of lengthy training sequence that takes up a lot of the middle of the film. Um Raiden will say, like, here's where you test your might, and test your might was the name of the bonus round in the first game, where you're trying uh, to karate chop through stone and wood and brick. Yeah, uh, it was like wood, ice, brick, or something like that, yeah. I, I did like the joke in the original where, or not in the original, in this movie, it's so confusing with the titles, um, where Luke Kane is just sweeping Kano over and over again, because that Doing was the a leg move. sweep, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> you can was, still... You can still cheese that move in the newer versions, in the newer uh, entries of the game. But yeah, after all funny. this, was, go on. I was waiting for someone to reference, like, because remember you had to figure out what the special moves are. Like, how do I shoot a fireball, Vic? Why mm-hmm. don't you step forward twice and down punch? Or like, how do I do like, a flying kick? Like, why don't you step backwards yeah. twice, high kick? Take a few steps forward, kneel, and move your hand as if you're throwing a punch. Exactly, yeah. Like, wow, that worked. It will work every time. So so Jax has a, a weird arc in this because the whole because so he 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 and he and Sonia are, are partners and there's there's a suggestion that it might be uh it might be a romance, but they were both in special forces uh and they were doing some crazy mission and they fought a guy with superpowers. Jax killed that guy and got his arcana marking. Uh and that I I don't believe they ever identify who it was that they were fighting. No. I presume some Mortal Kombat character not important or exciting enough to to show in the movie, <laughs> but, they, but not the Hammer guy for some reason. Oh yeah, they. That's why I mean that. But it's like you, you say that, and yet we still have like Cabal. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh yeah, he was a thing. But he has this. He has this fight with Sub Zero uh, for some reason, and Sub Zero freezes his arms off. Uh, he then apparently got picked up by the Order of Light, and they, like, rebuild him with these... They might as well have been T-Rex arms, these, like, sort of fragile yeah. uh, clockwork <laughs> robot arms. When he eventually does get his his Arcana, though, his Arcana turns his clockwork robot arms into badass robot arms. It seems like a lot <laughs> of extra steps to get to the badass robot arms. I know, yeah. It's like... It's best, especially when like there are like crippled master styles like wouldn't it have, like they should have just like had him trying to learn a crippled master style with his foreshortened limbs but then like something happens and his arcana assembles badass robot arms or something it's just it's it's I, I will say it is distracting like don't don't show me jacks with bad robot arms just show me the good robot arms I almost Maybe. agree I saw him like wor- working with his like crappy phase one arms because I was like, uh, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be a fucking thing where he's got shitty arms and he's gonna have badass ones. So this is like, uh, we're here for Mortal Kombat. Like we already right. bought the ticket. We we know what we're getting into. You don't need to explain Jax's fucking arms, okay? He's got big ass robot arms and they can bash shit. And then you get like the verification later. He's like, yeah, I'll keep these motherfuckers. 
knows like, like these motherfuckers work after he's splatted right. a guy's head. Yeah, it's Ricky like Ricky O style. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, By the way, watch had... Ricky O. The story Ricky of Ricky O. great, yeah. Um, what if they gave him wooden arms that then broke in a fight and then his organic kicked in and then he got metal arms? It's, I don't know. Like... <laughs> yeah, or like <laughs> the game Fireballs. Oh, no. That, that, it's, that is metal arms on top of existing shitty metal arms. It's just strange. And... I mean, you get, um, what do you think about Cole's arcana? I think it looks really dumb. Like, you well, have a thing where Goro tries to kidnap his family. Or something, like... Well, well, the thing, like, the thing with, like, with, with Cole Young is, like, you the whole time you think, oh, he'll turn out to be a character from the game. Yeah. Uh, like, that's what he'll turn into when he gets his power. But no, no, he doesn't. He just, you know, he, he like, his, his arcana, for some reason is like he gets these like copper bands around his body that turn into armor, which really isn't a Mortal Kombat thing. And that feels yeah. more like a fatal instinct thing or a killer instinct thing. Killer instinct, yeah. Um, and, but then, and, and they keep, they never quite figure out what the power of the Arcana is because his armor, it doesn't seem to protect him that well, but he can sometimes form weapons like Tanfa out of it, but he can also sometimes absorb the energy of people's punches and redirect them back at them as mega punches. Yeah, and there's also, yes, those like baton sticks, you know, like... like and, it, like, and it's like a basket working. weave. It's like he's wearing a woven basket. But, <laughs> The thing is, like, when it's CGI, it looks pretty good. When it's not CGI, it's the most foam rubber thing you've ever seen. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, and then, like, uh, he's not that interesting. I mean, because he's not, because he's the exposition guy. And then he kind of becomes this thing that's not a thing, so it's really hard to care. You know, when he when he's like, yeah, I'm not fighting anymore. I'm a Mortal Kombat guy now. Ugh. Yeah. And then, because he has a family, he has to rescue his imperiled family who have been frozen to a wall in the gym from the beginning of the movie. Well, the second beginning of the movie. And he has to fight Sub-Zero. But then he doesn't have to fight Sub-Zero because then Scorpion, for some reason, comes out of hell and fights Sub-Zero as Scorpion. <laughs> and does I Scorpion's trademark fatality from the first game where he takes off the mask, it's a skull, and he breathes fire on him. Whoa! But it's like, well, if he, why didn't he escape from hell sooner? What's what's this whole thing? Is the implication because... that they're related? I think. I, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Well, they look alike in the video game. That's the other thing. Is that like, whenever I need to connect a dot, I'm just kind of like, well, it was so and so in the video game. That you know, like how comes on? Yeah, it goes like four inches that's how far it goes like you shouldn't be like uh, rely on that much mileage but well, you know I think this just points to just like such an inherent flaw that like you know fighting games probably don't make very good movies um except just, unless they're just well, except that we've seen good Mortal Kombat and we've seen good Street Fighter that's that's true yeah the anime uh, Street Fighter was pretty cool too um well, the killer instincts will get it right I know right Oh, it's like the people who watch these movies, it's like they've never watched like a kung fu movie or they've never watched like a samurai flick or a ninja flick or anything. Yeah, the you know, like when there. you said, do, yeah. yeah, when you do the 
Like when you said with Jackson, the Crippled Avengers, I'm like, that's a freaking genre. One-Armed Swordsman, Satoichi, The Blind Swordsman. There's literally a movie called Crippled Avengers. I mean, come on. Not only I that, be there's, that. Been, there's been fantastical martial arts movies for over 50 years. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, this is, is not, it, to say nothing of like mythology and all these things. But, so, I mean, it's something that's been, you can do a copy of something and, say it's your source and I think people will be fine with it or maybe even you get the rights and say you know loosely based on this film but if you want to be kosher about it but I mean it's just the lack of inspiration in this and and the way they I don't mean to complain about oh this wasn't like the video game but the way they treated Melina is just baffling what is she like a monster ghost thing like so in in the game in the Mortal Kombat 2 game you had two characters Katana and Melina and I think there were sisters or something. They looked pretty similar, but they had different yeah, color. Like the... uh, one was magenta, one was blue on uh, yeah, covering uh... their face. And the gimmick was for, for Melina's one fatality, one of her fatalities. She would remove her mask and it was giant monster teeth and she would chomp off your head or something like that. Right. Yeah, and in this, it looks like she has... the... Go on. Oh, uh, Molina was the one with the staffs, and then Katana was the one with the fans, right? Yeah. No. And we see her fans. No, the one with the staff was Jade, who was green. Oh, Melina had the Jade. Melina had the um, size. That's right. That's like what Raphael Katana did have the fans, and we see her fans in the Temple of Light. Retrograde Amnesia is a comprehensive podcast about classic Japanese RPGs. Each season, we cover a single game, chapter by chapter, beat by beat. Season 1 covers Xenogears. Season 2 covers Chrono Cross. Each episode, we play a section of the game and unpack the story, mechanics, music, and themes. Also, our post-production AI companion, the FakeNet, fills us in on the finer details we may have missed. Initializing FakeNet. Yes. They need me for everything. Find Retrograde Amnesia at GreenLitPodcast.com. Hey there, this is Jeremy Parrish, and if you're a fan of classic video game soundtracks, or if you just love 20-minute rock epics about war-ready armadillos that battle Catholicism, you should listen to Alexander's Ragtime Band. Join the power trio of myself, Elliot Long, and James Eldred each month as we talk about the most pretentious music of all, progressive rock, right here on the Greenlit Podcast Network. But in this one... I guess because to see the actress talk and have dialogue and stuff, she just has, it's supposed to be blood smeared on her face all the time, but it looks kind of like grape jelly. <laughs> yeah, it looks like she went, and, it, it looks like she was putting on her lipstick in the car and then ran over a bumpy road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a bad Halloween costume. It's just, And so you do see her open her mouth for one thing, which is sort of neat, but um, I, I do like, uh, you see Kun Lao in this movie pretty briefly. And what do you think about Kun Lao and Liu Kane in this? Because they're not used as much as maybe some of the um, older movies and games. You, you know what's so funny? And I think this may just be like the 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 you know classic martial arts film connection. But when they're both on the screen, like, ah, cousin, you've returned. In that moment, I suddenly buy that they're characters that have a whole bunch of history together. So I totally feel it when Kung Lao gets his soul eaten by Shang Tsung. Like, I totally buy oh, yeah. the, the, the pain uh, the pain that Liu Kang is feeling. Yeah, yeah that nice. was a decent bit of business, right? That one's good. And then you also get the um, one of the fatalities from the more recent games where Kun Lao cuts the guy in half with the, with the hat. 
Yeah, I gotta give them credit. Every now and then, Pretty they cool. did like adapt the unadaptable from the video game and would do something like that, and and that I thought was pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's funny quite... because. Go on. Oh yeah, the when they get there though, when like Kano and Sonya and freaking Snoozerella show up, and like Luke King's there, and you can like fire fireballs and shit. I'm just kind of like thinking like, oh, so he got like a head start on everyone else, I guess, right? Like, that's how this works. Um, but yeah, the thing is, like, Liu Kang felt so kind of, like, boring. Like, they didn't give him a lot to do. Granted, like, I know Liu Kang's obviously modeled after Bruce Lee, and he's obviously supposed to be, like, the upstanding, upright, you know, dude. And yeah. and I guess Kung Lao, yeah, just, I don't know, always seemed like a shadowy, shady kind of dude. And they kind of made him just, like, Liu Kang with a hat, which is fine. But I, I laughed out loud because I remember when I used to play the video games, uh... My brother was like, I'd always play this Kung Lao, and like my brother and my dad would be like, oh, are you going to throw your fucking sombrero at me? Completely ignoring the fact that he's not, you know, Spanish. Um, <laughs> and then when Kano says, oh, you throw your fucking sombrero around, I was like, <laughs> I laughed out oh, loud. That's funny. I'll shove your sombrero so far off your ass, you start speaking Spanish. Stupid, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Right. Um, Pass me a fucking egg roll. <laughs> It's, Anger is your card. Oh. And then at the end of the movie, the, the, the teaser at the very end is so frustrating. They're like, <sighs> do we got to, you know, prepare for the next tournament? We get a team prepare, together. No, you have to prepare for the tournament. The, the tournament, yes. There's no course. next tournament because they didn't do a first one. You're right. They, made, and, they might as well lean to the camera and be like, don't worry, fans. If we didn't get your favorite character yet, we will in the next one. And they're going to get Luke Cage or Johnny and, Cage. They're going to get Johnny Cole, Cage. And, Racks and Sector and fucking Blum Blum and Juju. And noob, noob Noob, whoever that yeah. Noob Noob Quan, whatever the, the ninja named Noob is. There was a Noob, actually. Jesus Christ. I thought yeah, it was like Noob, noob Fang or something. It no, it was Noob Saibot. It was the noob name Saibot. of the creators backwards. Uh, Ed Boon and uh, uh, something Tobias. Um, that's right. But, but one of them stayed with the company and still make uh, works on the games and the other one doesn't. But yeah, and it's just like, and you've been teasing Johnny Cage this whole time. He's been on posters all throughout this this movie. Uh, and just, well, now we're going to go get to him. May, if we get our sequel. I know, people, but they like, people like Johnny Cage. And I mean, one of the, I mean, the origins of them trying to do a game like this, they were originally just going to make a, a fighting game where you play as um, Jean-Claude Van Damme. But he didn't want to do it. So instead, they ripped off John Clyde Van Damme to make Johnny Cage, and they kind of invented their own universe, and that's how you got the first Mortal Kombat game. And it worked. Huh. Yeah, wow. and had John Clyde Van Damme said, oh, you can make a game based off of me, that's fine. Uh, you know, things would have been very different. And I mean, this is, this is the rare video game series that's gone consistently for, oh, Jesus Christ, like 25 years now maybe more um and you know it's always pretty successful there's like over a dozen in the franchise you even had mortal kombat versus dc (laughs) which originally leaked to the internet with an image of uh batman and sub-zero leering at each other (laughs) he should have used his bat ninja repellent something like that yeah so it's um it's pretty nuts so we'll see what ends up happening with this series. It looks like this movie has been pretty successful. The budget at 55 million is fairly modest for this sort of thing. Um, 
and with all the especially the people it's it's driving to on HBO Max. I mean, I've heard this is doing better, and King Kong versus Godzilla's uh, got more viewers on HBO Max than the uh, much ballyhooed Snyder cut. Uh, this is Justice weird. League. Like, yeah, the HBO model is gonna is gonna get interesting because because HBO, it's it's never really been about it's it, it can't be about like ratings because they don't have to sell anything to advertisers and it's not really and it's my understanding it's not about subscriptions because hbo generally speaking with the occasional slight dip or slight bump typically has about the same amount of subscribers at all times um so what it cares about is buzz what really determines what lasts on that on that network is either does an executive really like a show or are people talking about a show if enough people are talking about this mortal kombat movie for good or ill we that alone could get us another mortal kombat movie whether or not this makes a lot of money yeah i mean i'll push back on that a little bit you have stockholders you you have um people are caring more of, as the streaming stuff becomes more and more popular people are more curious about the views but you're not getting it published like um, box office uh, in movies and theaters yeah. uh, for, for some reason. Netflix especially is pretty closely guarded. Or they'll say, like, it's the most watched thing of all time and then not give numbers. Well, you um, know what's interesting sure. is supposedly they juice those numbers. You know how when it plays that when it'll automatically start playing something in the background if you leave something up too long? Of course, yeah. Like, and by too long, I mean a second, mm-hmm. a second and a half. Supposedly they count that as a view because yeah, it started... I can remember, like, every year by what crappy Netflix movie played after something I was watching. Like, 2017 was bright, because they always played bright after I was done watching something. Or, like, 2015 was Ridiculous 6, because that came on after. It was just, like, obnoxious how, like, consistent it was. And you you look, and I saw something published um, on Deadline.com, which is fairly reliable for a lot of things, uh, Hollywood news. And and they were pointing out some streaming stats. It might have just been Amazon or something, but, like... uh, I think they said the Eddie Murphy sequel coming to America, like was maybe the second most watched stream thing of the, of the month, like twice in a row. You know, that makes, oh, hey, that, yeah. that's a sequel. That means we could check that series out now that it's a series. That's uh, uh, 37 years in the making. Yep. Yep. That's true. And um, so Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Overall, I, I, I didn't like it. And I watched it twice because I fell asleep watching it the first time. Oh my God. <laughs> That happened to me. I fell asleep the first time I watched it, and again the second time I watched it, but on opposite ends of the movie. I fell yeah. asleep watching it, but it might not be fair to count it because I was on my way to going to bed anyway, so I probably would have fell asleep right. watching anything. But I guess this can be maybe a sequel first that we all fell asleep watching the same movie. <laughs> I, I watched this the second time to make sure I got everything. I fell asleep after the reptile fight when they started talking. Uh, and... <laughs> And when I woke up, it was like near the end of the movie. And I felt like I really didn't miss much. And watching the whole movie, I didn't really miss that much. Um, I don't know. Like, it's... It should have just been a prequel in ancient Japan, man. I'll give it a sequel no. Uh, Thrasher. I I am going to give it a sequel no. That being said, just watch it for Kano. Skip the beginning. Just, just, just fast forward until you see Jax. Start watching from there. Uh, and you'll recognize Jax because he's the only black dude in the movie. Um, you'll and just watch it until and then the moment Kano dies, turn the movie off. You just watch the Kano show. Yep. Um, sequel? No. I almost, you know, I was sympathetic because I had my man Tadanobu Asano in there, who's just like the best, and he 
As Raiden, he just says, like, the worst dialogue. He has to, they, I feel so bad for uh, Tadanobu Osano in this. He has to just say the dumbest stuff. Um, yeah, like I said, it's fun. Kano's the best part, and that, like, shocks me, because uh, of all the video game characters, like, he's the one that, like, he's, like, one of the most forgettable, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> That's why they killed yeah. him so fast in the first one. I know, right? Yeah. And that's the thing, is that you've got nothing but opportunities to make something interesting, or at least something entertaining. I mean, people beating the shit out of each other in ultra-violent ways, that sounds like, you know, catnip to me, but... And yet, somehow, whoever you made this, you made it boring. So, sequel, no. Right, and, um... Yeah, it's sort of disappointing. I mean, I guess we'll say... Oh, it is disappointing, but let's go on to pitch a sequel... I'll begin. I think, you know, what I would do is you, you do see it go to Johnny Cage. Oh, excuse me. You see it go to Johnny Cage, and it's and, and I would do kind of a, a prequel focused on Johnny Cage, and it would be kind of like a star is born, but about Johnny Cage. <laughs> and you'd have kind of a, a romance, a suicide. Um, you'd have drug use. You'd have... But it would also be kind of a love letter to the, the evolution of action cinema and maybe the gimmick you have in there. Because Johnny Cage is kind of like an upstart is that he maybe, he feels he doesn't want to watch movies from, um, let's say, before 1995 or something because there's nothing to be gained from them. And and because of that, he keeps on getting – he isn't learning like these typical stunt moves and he doesn't want to practice and he's kind of a, a snot-nosed, shit-faced uh, punk. And at the end, his uh, his girlfriend, let's make it his wife to up the stakes, will die. And it'll kind of teach him a lesson of humility. But then in a post credit scene, you know, the guy's gone, uh, gone straight edge for a bit and seems committed. And towards the end of the scene, like a buddy of his comes. Uh, you, you hear some footsteps coming, uh, knocking at the door. And uh, he opens the door, and it is um, can't remember the character's name now. The new guy. Sorry. It's it's Cole Young, yeah, Cole Young and friends from the first <laughs> movie going like, "Hey, you want a beer?" And Johnny Cage says, "Sure," and he starts drinking, and, and then it ends. So I like Johnny Cage to be Johnny Cage centric. It would be called um, the name of it would be the name of the movie poster, Citizen Cage, <laughs> that you see at the end of this. Because it's actually a biopic about himself. Ooh. Written, directed, and produced by Johnny Cage. Johnny Cage. Right. It's like the, there's the um, Steven Seagal story where he's making some some movie and the production assistant goes to get him out of his trailer. And uh, that's like a three-trailer long, huge kind of maze thing. And uh, Steven Seagal comes out and he's like, I've just read the best screenplay ever written. And the assistant's like, oh, what's that? And he slams the screenplay in the, on the table, and he's like, this one, it was written by me. <laughs> what, wasn't that an actual line that, like, Jean-Claude Van Damme or somebody said, or, or Steven Seagal said once? I mean, it's supposed, I've heard the story from a few different actors, uh, and I think he was talking about the one that he ended up writing and directing. Was it Fire Down Below? Oh, uh... That has like oh, a 30 minute kind of Al Gore style uh, environmental speech um, in the middle line. of it. That's a literal slideshow. It has Michael Caine with like dyed black hair as the bad guy. It's in Alaska. It's so it's stupid. Why do yeah. we fall down, Mr. Seagull? 
So we can get back up. All right. So anyway, that's mine. Uh, Thrasher, what's yours? My sequel, straightforward as hell. These same resources, these same characters, we just do the goddamn tournament. (laughs) That's it. And people will die. We're going to shoot through the fight scenes. There'll be some underhanded stuff going on behind the scenes. There'll be a little bit of a conspiracy to justify why... uh, Liu Kang was able, or uh, uh, Shao Kahn was able to cheat for so long by assassinating the other realms' champions, uh, and that's gonna. And you think that's just gonna make this a ripoff of Mortal Kombat Annihilation? It's not, because it's gonna set up that the gods will judge. Oh, well then those ter- those those victories weren't valid, so we'll have to fight those tournaments over again. So the elder gods use their power to resurrect hundreds of old champions, so it ends with a massive Avengers Assemble type mega battle where every Mortal Kombat fighter ever is fighting every other Mortal Kombat fighter ever uh, in a crazy blasted outworld dimension shifting wasteland. And I guess the good guys will win. There you go. Can we and, stick uh, with the same title? Just Mortal Kombat. We'll call it, no, we'll call it Mortal Kombat Flawless Victory. Ah, <laughs> nice. Mm. Sting. If you split those two movies, the first part would be called Mortal Kombat Fatality. We'd we'd kill off somebody you wouldn't expect us to kill off. Gotcha. Totally. Someone's gonna die. Hopefully Cole Young. Oh, yeah, he sucks. Um, (laughs) I like saying that. Cole Young sucks. Um, So my pitch of sequel is, when I saw them eating, I'm like, hey, hey, what do we have here? You know how many Kung Fu Chef movies there are? A lot. And they're fun. So they open up, they decide, you know, this outer world, inner world shit, you know, let's put our differences aside. You got fire with Liu Kang, you got electricity with Raiden, he can run, you know, he can power the place up, make sure the the, the, the terminals are working and the lights are humming. <laughs> uh, Liu Kang can fire for him, boil up some burgers for everyone. Um, you know, Johnny Cage can be like the Mater D, the host, you know. Hey, welcome, table for two, I've got classes. Um yeah, it'll be called uh, Mortal Meatball, the Kung Fu Chef Experience. <laughs> Mortal Meatball Machine. There's also <laughs> been quite a lot of uh, food-based anime as well. Um, I mean, when you when you said you know a lot of Kung Fu uh, Chef movies, the one that came to mind was uh, Stephen Chow's God of Cookery. Oh yeah, totally. And you got guys like you know throwing like you know freaking. Um, you know, throwing knives around and doing dim sum fucking Benihana shit. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's right there for you. And it's probably more fun to watch than anything else that's going to come from this franchise. So, I'm a bit surprised they haven't had a character who's a crazy chef. They do have like a, an old drunken, uh, kind of, um, kind of like big fella in the Mortal Kombat games called Bo, Bo Rai Cho, I think. Who's, oh who's, yeah, who's pretty amusing? Who you can have him drink more, and it loosens up his fighting style. Uh, oh, drunken fighter, drunken style. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, in some of the later games, you can uh, switch between fighting stances, and that makes your moves different. Oh, but, cool! That's neat. Yeah, yeah. It also arguably makes it too complicated, but it depends on how much time you want to put in, as with anything in life. Okay. So, do you think Sonya Blade was based on Cynthia Rothrock? I don't Could know who been. that is. <clears throat> um, 
uh, she was like popular in the eighties, uh, early nineties, uh, and she did a lot of she did a few like um, Hong Kong uh, kung fu films. She was a martial artist. Wasn't she in one of the ninja movies that Canon did? I think so. Yeah, she was all over the place for a minute for hmm. a few years there. Yeah, it could be interesting. I uh, yeah. Well, let's move on to what you're watching. It's been um, a while since we've recorded uh, for various reasons. It's kind of the summer. We got people have stuff coming up. So, yeah, but anyhow, I've um, I watched the uh, original movie of Catch Twenty Two with uh, Alan Alda and Orson Welles. Not Alan Alda. Shit. It's um, give Alan me Arkin. Um, what? Alan Arkin. Arkin. Yes, that's it. And it's um, in the DVD for some reason. Steven Sodenberg does a commentary, even though he had nothing to do with the movie. Um, directed by Mike Nichols, and it's good. I mean, it's really compressed from what the book is. The book is like a thousand pages or something, or it feels like it's a thousand pages. But it's uh, oh, Nick, Mike Nichols and Sodenberg do the commentary. I see. And um, what's strange is seeing Alan Arkin as a younger man. But he's also like really sweaty the whole time and like trying to cram all his dialogue into the scenes and the camera is constantly moving. And that you get a comedy kind of set on an Air Force base in the Mediterranean. I think it's a unique setting. It's not quite as absurdist as the book. And the more recent miniseries, I think, kind of is closer in tone. The one that's on Hulu uh, to the book. Anyone familiar with the book or this movie? Yeah, see, it's funny because I feel like the two, um, like, satirical war films from 1970 flipped in, like, reputation. Like, Catch-22 wasn't that much of a huge success. MASH mm-hmm. was. Yes, now MASH yeah. has not aged so well, and Catch-22 is actually probably the more interesting movie, which is ironic, because I love Robert Altman, too. But, um, yeah, I think that's kind of interesting. And also, you got Anthony Perkins. Yes, no, a really good cast. Um, have you seen this last year or read the book? Uh, regrettably, no. No, I haven't. Um, if you look on YouTube, you can find a, a pilot that aired in 73 for a Catch-22 TV show, of course, you know, because MASH was popular. And wow. it had uh, Richard Dreyfus in the lead as Yossarian. Richard Dreyfus, Which actually works pretty well. Maybe a bit too chipper. Maybe not bitter enough for my liking. But, uh, but yeah, it's pretty interesting. So the book's a long read. I mean, if you're going to pick one, I'd say go with the book if you have the time. But, uh, but if you don't, I mean, this movie isn't bad, has a good cast, has a nice scope to it. Um, Alex, what have you been watching? Um, I was gonna, I, I was kind of binging on, um, Powerhouse Indicator, uh, Blu-ray had a sale, it's like buy three for 30 pounds, I think, which is not that mm. big a difference, yeah. it's like 30%, uh, lower, and they have these amazing, I mean, amazing with a capital A, uh, Harry Housen sets, but they were sold out, so I just bought them individually. So I've been kind of uh, binge watching um, like old Sinbad flicks. But the most one I watched recently was um, it came from Beneath the Sea. That's one of the great tentacle octopus effects, hmm. and it's one of those w- movies that I had always thought I had seen, just because of you know we all love Ray Harry Housen, I assume here. And the effects and everything. And then I actually watched this again. I don't think I've ever actually seen this movie. And it's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty run-of-the-mill 50s sci-fi stuff. But you put in those Ray Harryhausen stop-motion effects, man, and you get a whole 
whole different show. I mean, it, it's the coolest thing ever. Giant octopus, uh, H-bomb tests, people getting ripped up with tentacles and stuff. And um, funny thing is that this is a, a, a six-legged octopus. Yeah, because, he did uh, not have the budget to sculpt yeah. and animate the full eight tentacles. Which I think is like, the best bit of trivia ever. Is that it also because of when you're watching a the movie, they throw all the scientific blobbity bloop at you, you know, like, oh, no, insectopods like to eat, you know, fishes and guppies and plankton and shit. Um, also, if you're paying close attention, in most scenes, you'll never see more than four tentacles moving at a time, and there'll often be something blocking your view of the remaining tentacles. Right, and you get a lot of close-ups of, like, you know, two little, like, suction cuppy things coming at you. Um, but yeah, no, if you want giant tentacles destroying shit, it came from beneath the sea. So well, I think awesome I know play. why you might have thought you'd already seen this. Clips from this movie got inserted in so many other things. Oh, yeah, and there's... They always kind of advertise, or also, I'm a, you know, being a dork, I watch a lot of movies about movies, and there's a lot of movies about Ray Harryhausen, so I think just overdose on the footage you know what i mean or if you see something on tim burton tim burton always talks about ray harryhausen and all the old like you know flying saucers and all that other stuff so you you do see a lot of like kaleidoscope kaleidoscopic harryhausen footage happen at once and um but yeah actually sitting down and watching the movie is quite the quite a lot of fun hmm so what about you thrasher well, I decided uh, to torture myself. So, remember uh, a, a while ago when I said I had uh, rewatched uh, Vice Academy by Rick yes. Sloan, infamous yeah. writer, director, producer of Hobgoblins from MST3K? So, I decided, fuck it, I'll make this a sequel cast side project. I'm just going to rewatch <laughs> the whole series. So, I'm finally up to Vice Academy 4, <laughs> which is when they. Now, now, it was already creatively bankrupt, but they clearly ran out of ideas by number four. Let's see and how many do. I mean, what, what was the thing they did that stuck out? Well, so there's six, there's six movies total. So the thing, well, the thing that sucks, uh, stuck out is, is that, one, they don't really have a story. It's just a bunch of bullshit that happens, and then it turns into being about a wedding. Uh, in the third film, they... so So... All the antagonists in these movies have essentially been like 1960s Batman villains. The first one was Queen Bee. Uh, the second one was Spanish Fly. And in the third one, they introduced their own version of the Joker, uh, Malathion, a woman who got exposed to a uh, uh, crazy amount of different insecticides and it dyed her hair green and drove her crazy. Well, they just decided to bring her back for the fourth one. Uh, and... <laughs> In the fourth one, you know, she she breaks out of jail, and then the movie kind of forgets she did that until it needs something to happen. And it all becomes about her trying to ruin the wedding of Miss Devonshire, the woman who runs the Vice Academy. Mm. And it's just so and it's just everything everything in this movie, it's like there, it's like it's if you told me there was no script and it was just whoever they had in the same room at the time, I would believe it. And, and it's, it's, it's bad and it's not really even entertaining good in, in a camp way. And then it hit me. Oh, now I remember why I watched these the first time. It's because internet porn didn't exist yet. <laughs> Every, yeah, everything, yeah. like everything, this movie exists to deliver the cheap laughs, the, the, the nudity, the sexual situations, you don't need a movie to deliver that once you have access to the internet and everything <laughs> on it. 
That was a big appeal to things like HBO, frankly, or Showtime. They would show oh. Oh, a yeah. lot of these movies uh, that had uh, not necessarily TV, full frontal, but if you wanted tits, yeah, you'd see those. It, it was the Adder magazines. Like the, and you, yeah. and that was you, like the big thing, remember? It was like, you know, parents get home before kids watch your midnight programming, you know what I mean? Yeah, and there was no guarantee that there there was no guarantee at all that like you'd have a newsstand in the area where they wouldn't care about selling like a Playboy to a fourteen year old. Well, right, right. you could be really Go cheap about it and get a get a catalog, or you could flip through the channels to like the porn channel that's all fuzzy and be like, that, does that kind of look like a nipple? I can't really tell it's happening. We well, you know. Yeah, that's, some, that's sometimes it's best to just close your eyes and imagine while listening to the audio. That... <laughs> He said, "That's that's probably better." There was there was a barber shop in my hometown, and like for some reason, one of us we were just like we used the bathroom because we used to be little towny kids, and we went into the restroom, and they just had a mountain of Playboys. I mean, they had like freaking six years of these things just stacked up sitting there. And we like word got out, so like every like day after school, like some of us would go make, hey, go use the bathroom. We'd stuff a bunch in our backpacks or under our shirts or whatever, and be like, thank you. And they totally, in hindsight, probably knew about it. They just probably got a kick that kids yeah. are coming in and stealing our mags. The torch was being passed. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Now I love when you said the barber shop because I was waiting for you to say quartet after that. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was a no, no, quartet that used to sing about nudity, and that's if we wanted nudity, that's the only way we could get it, boy howdy. Before the internet, she you had to you had to visit your barber shop. <laughs> I do wonder oh, terrible. I do wonder with some of this stuff if you could go and um go back in time and maybe if you had a black light to shine on those magazines in the oh, barbershop wow. or even in that bathroom would <laughs> be something uh, quite terrifying. But yes. Uh, on the subject of Vice Academy, I am committed to watch to, to watching this to the end. So I've got two more. Uh, Vice Academy Five. Uh, the villain is virtual reality hooker, uh, and Vice oh Academy boy. Six, which is ironically where I started this rewatch. Uh, the the villain is just uh, three bank robbers in bikinis, and that's it. <laughs> so since I've already rewatched that, I might skip it. Maybe I don't need uh, to fold it all in. All right. Well, let's go we, and yes. But hey, if y'all want to cover this series, <laughs> I think you've been hinting that for a little bit. You have. But let's um, let's go and do our uh, sequel scene. Now you mentioned uh, before the show this only has two parts. Yeah, there so... are no good three-way dialogue scenes in this movie. The and the only only good dialogue is just Kano. Uh, just going yeah. on a tear. So we had to compromise, and we found a scene with Shang Tsung talking with Cabal, who in the movie sounds like Fat Tony D'Amico from The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of weird. Um, I will. I don't do this often, but I will pick uh, Shane Sun. I'll pick my part first. Who wants to be Cabal? I'll do oh, Cabal. Okay. Yeah. And feel free to not do it like in the movie. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, Alex, why don't you say like action? All right, one, two, action. I have seen Raiden's so called champions. I must find a way to bring his shield down in order to obliterate our opposition. Hey, oh, what think I can help? Did you see the guy down there? Complete fucking asshole, and she's the Kano. Kano, 
Hey, Sharish, and I live in an iron lung. He's a low-life piece of shit scumbag. You're going to love him. <laughs> that was like a uh, like, uh, Chicago duck. Um, I, that was, it was an accent I can't, I can't quite decode. I love it. It also occurred to me, like, like it, uh, Cabal needs that life support apparatus to live. Why don't they just target his weak spot? The giant breathing hose. I know, right? You could just also grab like, it and pull it off of his face. So I guess Cabal and Kano have a past. And also, I guess, is is, is Cabal like a, like a wisecracker, too, like, like Kano? Because he's like, hey, fucking Ashel answers to Kano, and then he says, Kano? Yeah, like Cabal's wit is more dry in this, I think. Right. It was just kind of funny that the dialogue is, you know this guy, you complete asshole, answers to Kano, and the guy says, Kano? Right. It's like, no shit. No shit. That game in Vegas where you pick out the numbers? No, that's Kino, you goomba! Hey, how hey. goose, eh? I gotta talk to my doctor, Vinny Boombats. Pick yeah. up some bacha fresh! Says I got agita. Hey, get out of here. Escafutsu. I turned to my son and said, you know, you're going to have kids of your own one day. And he said, I know, Pop. One day so will you. Oh, I got no respect around you. No regard. No esteem either. I got motor mouth and Sonya over here. Rodney does not get enough credit for helping to bring up and get a lot of up-and-coming comedians started in the U.S., like Jim Carrey, letting him do stuff for his club and take them on tour with them comedians he admired also did that with uh oh the guy who's the guy that screamed who got, who died Dan way too Kennison. young yeah kennison also got a good leg up from um dangerfield and also i mean even towards the very end dangerfield would like co-write and star and a lot of these things even though they were direct video and not very good that he still was doing his own projects um probably because he had to because of his age really uh I think was pretty inspiring. Also, how he got back into comedy fairly late um, in his life. So, that's neither here nor there. Next time on Sequel Cast 2, we're doing Thrasher's pick, and why don't you uh, say what it is, Thrasher? Well, we're going to a, a back in time, to a special time period known as the 80s, where we're going to all roll up into a ball, roll down the highway, and strip the flesh from some farmer's bones. That's right, we're going to order a combo meal from the Hungry Heifer, because we are watching Critters. Oh, hell yeah. Critters 1 through 4, the original four films, we're not going to be doing the fifth film, which came out not that long ago. There also was a short-lived Critters TV series. I think Wait, we're what? trying to... Yeah. Um... Why am I just finding out about this now? Because they didn't give it much publicity, and I think at least one of them might have been direct to Sci-Fi Channel, or it was like they kind of came back to back. It was really confusing. It's not um, real TV, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I I wanted I managed to get the series cheap to add it to our library, and I, I've never seen the films, but the the posters always terrified me, especially the one for Critters Two, directed by Mick Garris, that has the uh, massive Critters ball. <laughs> Critters 2 is pretty awesome, but we'll get there. We'll get yep. there. Oh, Can you guys talk? Go, the TV series Critters, A New Binge, awful title, was on Shudder. <clears throat> That's it. Right. So, um, for uh, you can follow SequelCast2 on Twitter, at SequelCast2. Go to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash SequelCast2. 
And, uh, you know, write stuff in the comments on there. That's always nice and uh, fun. We like to have a community on there, and uh, we have people comment from time to time. Um, Want to try to get that going more. Um, I haven't decided yet whether to publicize the Discord or maybe do a Reddit page. That might be a better way to do it. I'm not exactly – I'll have to think about that, but I want to get more engagement from our listeners because we, we have them. Uh, quite a lot are expats that live around the world in places like uh, the Philippines and India and Australia and Japan. So uh, I'm not sure why that is, but I love all our listeners, uh, as long as they're not harming people. So, yeah. <laughs> I hate to put that disclaimer, but you never man. know these days. Put um, put down the cat, put down the knife. That is not what yeah. this show is about. That's right. <laughs> they just don't get us in the States, man. We're too cool. No, no, we're too... Uh, so uh, follow me on Twitter at M-A-T-W-B-T and you can find out about my books such as the films at Uwe Boll uh, at M-A-T-W-B-T dot com. You can follow me on Twitter at Internet Mayor. You want to support my uh, my books and illustrations, just go to drivethroughrpg.com and search for William Thrasher. You'll see some stuff uh, show up that I've, that I've worked on. Uh, also, uh, our theme song is written uh, by Mark, written and performed by Mark with the C. You can check out his music at markwiththec.com. You can also listen to us on Stitcher, on Spotify, or anywhere you enjoy your podcast. Leave a uh, nice review. It will, uh, And if you leave a review, we'll read it. On the show, uh, Alex. You can follow me on the Twitter at Grab Nebula nineteen fourteen. I haven't written a book, but I contributed to one, and you can buy a copy of it at BattleshipPretension.com. It's the hundred one best films of the decade. And drop by my YouTube channel, The Trailer Project. Uh, there's some new stuff, and I think I'm losing my mind. So you can keep track of it there on that YouTube channel. Well, good. So for a sequel cast too. This is Matt. This is Thrasher. This is Alex. Saying, friendship. You got your outer realm there, and your inner realm here, and your da 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 da. You do some Mortal Kombat, you get another sequel. Blah 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 blah. Movie. The out world's connected to the Earth realm. The Earth realm's connected to the Nether realm. The Nether realm is where you'll find Scorpion. Now he's <laughs> the words of the law. A handful of leaky people in a boat are gonna save the world. Exactly. <laughs> Have a leaky people in a boat. <laughs> They've already been perforated when they drink yeah, yeah, water. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a line that's uh, from the first Mortal Kombat film. It's people um, in a leaky boat. Yes, I know, I know, I messed it up. Finish it.